Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Core Podcast, episode 172. Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. Hey, I did something I didn't really expect this weekend. Uh, I sat down and edited the Wizard of Oz Beyond the Elbic Road video in like less than 24 hours. <laughs> so so that video is now done. I was not really expecting that to, to come together so quickly. There's a, there's a variety of reasons why uh, it did. I think it really comes down to, a lot of times it comes down to how the script is written. Sometimes if I'm very specific about what I'm talking about all the time, and I have to edit footage very specifically for those topics, then, then it really slows down the editing process. But in the case of this game, um, I, I kind of talk pretty broadly about the game's world movement and also battle system. So it was really easy to just kind of like drop a bunch of gameplay in and not think too much about, you know, what I was showing directly on screen. And, you know, being a, a turn-based RPG where, you know, the, the main characters aren't even visible. It's just the enemies kind of floating there. I didn't really have to think too much about visual aesthetics either. <laughs> like, like when it comes to the actual video of the gameplay, it looks very samey. Um, but that's just kind of how that game is in a lot of ways. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad it's all finished up. So if you're like, oh, it's coming out next week, like, nope, uh, that's going to be going up on the first Tuesday of October. So I think that's two weeks from now. Um, so look forward to that, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, and I actually got, uh, pretty far on, on making another video as well. So I, um, kind of trying to figure that one out yet I don't want to talk too much about it but it seems like it's coming along pretty well I wasn't really planning to do this video but um it just kind of came into being so (laughs) so yeah um in terms of what I've been playing this week not that much honestly um if you didn't see I uploaded a video on YouTube about Super Mario Land uh where I basically just streamed that game for like all day stream it I I pre-recorded my stream I label them as streams because when it comes to content they're basically streams uh but you know i they're not, it's not a really a stream uh i was offline not really doing anything so so i played through that so if you want to see me play super mario land of all things you can i just was kind of i don't know i was in a weird mood that night and didn't really know what to do so i at some point i was like i guess i'll just play super mario land it's like maybe i should stream it and then i was like i kind of don't want to talk to anyone though but what if I just talked to myself? <laughs> so just recorded myself, uh, you know, talking about Super Mario Land while I played that and, and a bunch of random garbage. So if you had, if you didn't see that go up last week, that's up on the website now. And in terms of anything else, though, um, I, we finished up Rainbow Six Vegas. I'm not sure whether I should consider that game beat or not. We played it in the online co-op, but there's no story included in the online co-op. So, like, we played through the, like, mechanically, I've played through that whole game. Like, you know, when it comes to all the levels and everything. Um, but when it comes to, you know, the plot of Rainbow Six Vegas, I basically didn't consume any of it. Which, honestly, I'm gonna guess the plot of Rainbow Six Vegas, probably not that important. <laughs> I could be wrong about that, but, you know... Uh, I don't know. So I'm not sure if I want to consider that beat or not. I, I don't know if I want to play through it on my own either, to be to be honest. So we'll, we'll see. We did get a copy of Rainbow Six Vegas 2, um, but but the co-op online for that's only two players. So I think we're just going to do some terrorist hunt in that game and basically call it a, call it a day. We, we, I don't think I would have purchased it otherwise, but um, they they my group that I was playing with, they had got it uh, really cheap when it was on sale digitally. So I would have just bought like a cheap... Uh, uh, copy that has a uh tom clancy's Endgame uh bonus trailer packed in on a separate disc or something like that 
So maybe one day we'll look at that Endgame disc. I, I literally don't know what Tom Clancy's uh, Endgame is. I think it might have been like a real-time strategy game on console, which feels like it's pretty rare. Like, I was thinking about this the other day, because Full Spectrum Warrior came up against again recently, and I'm like, I don't know a lot of console games trying to do that RTS setup. But that being said, there's so many games that come out these days, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's somebody doing something on PS4 and Xbox One I don't know about, or, you know, yeah. Or maybe even switch. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so so yeah, that that pretty much happened. I don't really have a lot to say about Rainbow Six Vegas, so I don't think you'll see any coverage of it in any ways. It's kind of a, a neat squad shooter where your life is precious. I don't know if you even call it a squad shooter per se, but you know, it's a neat shooter and you got you, you know, you're you're pretty fragile as a character. So that that makes it kind of uh, intense in a way that I think was was pretty fun. Um, and when you're playing like terrorist hunt online, you can't respawn. So it's like even more, um, um, you know, challenging in that regard. So I, I really enjoyed that part of it. You could do that for the story mode as well in single player, but or in the uh, online co-op multiplayer story stuff. But reality is, is that when you die, like if your whole squad dies, you have to restart the whole mission. And some of those missions are pretty long. So as the host, you can set like the number of lives and we set it to like five or something like that. So so yeah, and that's kind of it. Um, I maybe have maybe watched more VTubers than I probably should have lately. <laughs> um, um, the, like, I don't know. I've had enough people in my life where VTubers have become a normal, regular thing that it seems like they stay on the top of my mind more than usual. And now that there's also English ones between, you know, Pikami, who's doing like the, the bilingual kind of stuff, and then like uh, the Halloween stuff. Um, it's easy to just kind of throw them on the background and, and watch. And I think I'm still kind of curious about VTubers in some way. Like, I feel like there's still something I'm trying to find. Some logic in my brain that I'm trying to work out when it comes to VTubers. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know how to put it into words, so I won't talk about it too much. But, but yeah, I probably, you know, I don't want to say I spent too much time on it. I probably only spent like, you know, a few hours at most throughout the whole week. But still, that's a good chunk of time, I feel like. That's time I could have been super mario land three more times <laughs> so so yeah in terms of news this week i figured we get some of the smaller stuff out of the way and then we can get into the bigger you know sony ps5 event stuff and then nintendo doing their their direct mini um one game that i actually saw last week but they hadn't really said anything about it so i, I didn't talk about it was maglum lord for ps4 by uh by by d3 um but apparently this is by the summon knight developers i don't know if that actual developer still exists who worked on the summon knight series and it's just like a reformed group but that's who was a uh four gamer basically sourced as like the the people who, who are making this game and i i it really caught my eye because i really like how the main characters look in this game they're just like these big red fiery demon anime looking people and i and i really like that i like my red anime boys um and and so i enjoyed that but the the gameplay they haven't showed a ton of it but it looks a little funky you're like these little chibi looking characters and i think there might be like a pretty hefty crafting system but unlike summon knight which i think is more like a strategy rpg uh this looks to be more like an action game and it kind of seems like it tilts between being a isometric action game and a like side scrolling action game so it looks like it might switch between those two but there's really just not a lot of gameplay out there about this game so far but i like the look of it um i'll be curious to see more of the gameplay and if it's going to actually be something satisfying or if it's just going to be some kind of like you know generic beat-em-up with a with an anime aesthetic kind of thing 
the, the, the graphics of the game, maybe not so great. It, it, it kind of reminds me of a Dojin game. It's a little more polished than a Dojin game, but, but it kind of has that weird, I don't know, like <laughs> generic kind of, you know, unity asset looking, uh, l- like look to it with it, with its lighting. It reminds me kind of how Bloodstained looked before they got that final, like graphical overpass kind of thing or graphical pass kind of thing. So yeah. Um, Poison Control, which we talked about this game before, uh, I, I don't know if I said whatever the, like, translated name was, or if I just tried to do a horrible job reading the Japanese name, but this was previously called in Japan, Shoujo Jiko no Doku Musume, um, but this is Poison Control now in the, in the U.S. This is, like, that weird, like, third-person shooter quicks kind of game where you kind of run around the field and you, like, shoot monsters, but you're also, like, making circles in the area to kind of... If I recall correctly, you, it, you were like cleaning up poison or something. I I, I can't remember a hundred percent for sure, but the game's called Poison Control. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's coming out uh, next year in in America on PS4 and and Switch. I only saw the Switch version having a physical copy. I don't know if that means the PS4 version's not going to, or if that's just the lead skew that they're kind of pushing out there. Um, but I'm interested in uh and in maybe checking that game out. I'm I'm. I, as you'll see as we get through some of this stuff, there's there's quite a bit of stuff coming up I'm kind of interested in, uh, in addition to like Onichambara Origins, um, that I think might kind of bog up my my new game releases for, for a good chunk of the early part of 2021 and, and the latter half of this year. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that's coming over. I mean, I, I didn't really have too much doubt it would, um, but but it looks pretty neat. Um, so to get to the PlayStation 5 event stuff, I actually missed this event temporarily. I, I was like at work when it was going on and then it was like the busiest day of work I had. And so it took me forever to get around to actually look at the stuff. Um, but the things that kind of jumped out at me, I think it's unsurprising. Final Fantasy 16 caught my eye. I would say I'm a, I don't know. Would you, I don't know if I'd say I'm a pretty big Final Fantasy fan, but I've played the majority of the mainline ones, at least. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoy the series. Um, anyway, so Final Fantasy 16, they showed that off. They didn't really show enough for me to really have any strong feelings about the game. Um, they j- just, they basically showed a bunch of cutscenes and then a little, little bite of gameplay in there. And I feel like when it comes to the areas they showed off, they, they also didn't show a lot of diversity there. Um, the one thing I will say, if I were to make complete judgment just from this one trailer, that was weirdly like four to five minutes, but still didn't really show anything. Um, I don't really like how the world looks in terms of how dark it is. Um, just like literal darkness. I think a lot of people kind of ha- came away with that. Um, and, and I don't really, ha- I'm not convinced that's how the whole game's going to be. I'm, I feel like that's probably just what the section of the game just showed off, uh, uh, looks like. Um, but yeah, it just kind of was a little too, too dark for my, my personal liking. Uh, they are going to, g- or it seems like they're going for a more like thematically dark, uh, storytelling kind of thing. And, and I, I feel like, you know, when you show that off in a trailer, that's really hard to show, right? Um, it's just like, oh, we're going to show you this blood splattering on a kid's face. And it comes off as like, you know, kind of campy when you're just watching a trailer. But I imagine within the greater context of the world and, and you're as like looking at dialogue and things like that, that, that something more dark thematically would probably come off better that way. So I will say when it comes to setting and, and like the visual presentation of it, I'm not loving it. I think the character designs are fine. I, I don't really mind that subdued character design uh, look. I, I personally am, am a fan of kind of like drab uh, armor and gear. Like I, I like Final Fantasy XIV 1.0's gear. 
uh, a lot more than the the gear that was released after a realm reborn um so so i think that's pretty much you know <laughs> that's kind of the one thing i maybe kind of came away uh interested in is like seeing how that gear develops and if it if it stays that like kind of you know drab medieval uh look kind of thing mechanically though it definitely looks a lot more tactile than like final fantasy 15 um final fantasy 15 i'm i kind of i don't want to say it's a love-hate relationship for me it's more of like a i understand it <laughs> relationship like i don't love it i don't hate it but i understand why they made the decisions they made uh but it's very simple like if you play final fantasy 15 it's pretty much just holding down a button to be in an attack stance and then holding down a button to be in a defense stance and that's kind of it um and there's a lot of positioning stuff too i don't want to say a lot of positioning stuff there is positioning stuff too uh it's pretty straightforward um i have not played final fantasy 7 remakes so i don't know what that looks like but this game definitely looks a lot more um focused on 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 you know actual <laughs> probably doing actual combos and things like that obviously there's not a lot of footage so it's hard to say for sure but that just is the impression i think i and, and most people got so i'm not very excited for final fantasy 16 but i will say this we final fantasy 15 came out of final fantasy versus 13 when that was revealed in like 2005 2006 final fantasy 14 is built off final fantasy 11's like world and aesthetics and Final Fantasy XIII was announced at the same time as Final Fantasy XIII Versus. We have not had a new Final Fantasy world in like 15 years. So give me anything at this point. <laughs> give me something that's not in that Final Fantasy XIII Crystallis trilogy. Um, you know, I'm just excited to see a new Final Fantasy world in that regard. Um, and and I, I hope it turns out to be something that I, I enjoy. I think the one big killer for me would be if this is a open world game. I'm not going to say I won't like it, but I have yet to be convinced about any open world game I've played that I that I prefer that that structure. Even Xenoblade Chronicles X, I, I have a really hard time with that game because I have a really hard time finding a balance between progression and doing like other content. Anyways, that was a lot to say about Final Fantasy 16. Let's try to move through some of these other items quicker. Um, one thing I want to say also, uh, Demon Souls, that's a great looking game. I think it showed a lot better aesthetically, uh, this time around. I don't think the trailer itself was a good trailer. They just kind of walked through and kind of smacked a bunch of guys. I think, you know, I get it. Like they were trying to show off a bunch of the environment, but, but in terms of, you know, you're making your game series about, you know, being a hard game and in your trailer, it's just like the, the most cakewalk looking thing ever. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it was not a great way to show off that game, but I get the thought behind making it so everything's like a one-hit kill. Assuming there's no, like, actual easy mode where everything's a one-hit kill, um, but, but who can say? Um, and uh, there's that PlayStation Plus collection, which I feel like, you know, could have could have been a little better. If you don't know what that is, basically uh, Sony's releasing or giving you a, a Game Pass style subscription for PS5, but a lot more limited. It's basically taking some of the hit titles on PlayStation 4 and putting them on PlayStation 5 and you can access them through PlayStation Plus. I'm not sure if you can like have a have access to those on PS4 um like for free if you if you have a PlayStation Plus subscription but but you know don't have a PS5. But basically there's like, hey, here's these great PS4 games. Now you can play them with if you have a PlayStation Plus subscription. Uh but they have not committed to, you know, putting every title out on there. So so it's not you're not like gonna get PS5 games in there, it sounds like. Um and I'm gonna guess you're not even gonna get um, uh, you know, some of the later PS4 games possibly either if anything comes out. 
So they're at least consistent with with that message regarding like not wanting to put out their their most recent releases in like a free subscription style like Microsoft does. Even though they're consistent with that messaging, though, um, they've been kind of inconsistent with some of their other messaging, though. Um, you know, they basically have been keep pushing the fact that like PlayStation 5 games are built for PlayStation 5. They're going to take the most most out of the platform kind of thing. And, and so that we don't want compromised experiences. Uh, but meanwhile, they announced that they're doing a Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, the New Horizon game, and and Little Big Planet PS4 versions <laughs> of those games. Which you know, look, <laughs> that's it's a smart move. It's a, it's like yes, you want to sell as many copies of the game as possible, especially when you know development costs are what they are, right? Um, so so like you're you're cracking those games open to a huge audience if you're if you're putting on PS4. But it's just kind of annoying to me that they have been saying, nope, you're not going to get your PS4 level experiences on a PS5 because we're not going to let those games hold it back um, and then proceed to port all those games to PS4 anyways. <laughs> now, that's not saying that, you know, all the games in the future are Ratchet and Clank. Um, I believe that has not been announced for PS4 yet. And, and that's probably the only game I can think of that really looks like it's using the PlayStation 5's hardware in any any significant way. Um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of funny that they're like, oh, here, here are these PS4 games now. <laughs> After we told you that, that we think Microsoft's bad for doing what they're doing with their platform. So I don't know. I, I, I honestly think the conversation about Microsoft's like... Uh, more scalable approach is kind of overblown you know i'm not technically i'm not you know technical person um so i could be completely wrong about this but i think about the fact of like how the current generation is between ps4 and ps4 pro and and how you know pcs are where there's scalable experiences there and i just don't really view it as as big of an issue as i think people other people do um the one thing i think i really see it being a problem with is you know one of the promises that were made at least like with mark cerny um when when they're talking about the playstation 5 initially at gdc is just like the fact that the solid state drive could really change game experiences and um you know whether that be the level design so you don't have to create you know parts of a level that load stuff you can just you know dynamically load stuff as is so the world feels more seamless or in the case of like Ratchet and Clank, where they're basically swapping between various worlds within within seconds, you know, there's no like load times in those those sections. You don't have to like fake it or something like that. Um, that that stuff uh, is is definitely going to be held back by the the previous consoles and things like that. Um, but I think when it comes to the third party's perspective, uh, that's probably also going to be holding back third party developers because they have to always build their games with PC in mind. And you know, I, I I'm not I don't have my my you know finger on the pulse of the PC industry, but I get the impression that uh, the solid state stuff that that Sony and uh, Microsoft are doing, which apparently is some other different solid state stuff than a typical SSD drive or something, um, is is has quite the penetration on the PC market. And there's probably a lot of people who are still going to be installing these games to hard drives or like a SATA SSD or something like that. So I, I, I don't really have a lot of confidence. Third party developers are really going to, um, you know, take full use of this. Ratchet and Clank is still the only game that jumps out at me. It's like, okay, I can see why you're selling this on PS5. 
Um, so yeah, but, but yeah, anyways, I don't want to get too much more into it, but it's kind of annoying <laughs> of, of Sony not really sticking to their messaging. Another thing that was kind of silly is that Final Fantasy 16 and, uh, uh, Demon's Souls were announced for PS5 and PC. And then both of those games came back later and like, actually they're not for PS, PC. Uh, it's just announced for P- PS5. We have nothing to say about the PC version. That feels very disingenuous in terms of like, <laughs> there's there's probably definitely a PC version in the works for those. I mean, I, I assume Final Fantasy 16 will eventually come to everything. Well, except for maybe the Switch. Um, but, you know, every every current platform within its power space, I guess you could say, in terms of the console itself. Um, Demon Souls, I could see that coming to PC, given how, you know, how Sony's message they want to come to PC as well with, uh, with a lot of their titles. So, so maybe there'll be PS5 at the, you know, near their launch at start exclusive, but I don't know. I will say this. I'm pretty disappointed that Final Fantasy 16 is, um, ex- not on Xbox, not because I, look, I know I'm giving Sony a hard time. I'm going to probably get a PlayStation rather than an Xbox. <laughs> but I really think Microsoft needs to be making sure they're they're a part of these larger Japanese games. Like I like with with how these consoles are so close to each other in terms of, you know, what they offer. Um and and you know, Sony currently has like a first party edge on Microsoft, I feel like. That's that's for sure in terms of at least how uh, the mainstream feels about their games. I personally have no real interest in either first party outputs on Xbox or PlayStation. Like not getting those big Japanese titles, even the smaller Japanese titles, I feel like near near their their initial launch, I think is really really damaging to their platform. You know, maybe I'm overblowing this a little bit, but I feel like Japanese games are very big and popular again. Um, and and it's not like the 316 PS3 where you can just say, okay, let's ignore this. So maybe maybe Sony's paying more money than than Microsoft is offering. And then Sony also has the, the leverage of being like the console platform leader of this generation. And I'm sure if Microsoft gets, you know, in front of, of, of uh, Sony uh, in this console generation that, um, you know, there will be a Final Fantasy 16 version or like going forward, there will be, you know, Xbox versions of all these games because that's where the Western market space is. Um, but it just, <laughs> I feel like they can't continue to go on without getting Square Enix's support um, like this. The last thing to touch on here is the price of the PlayStation. Um, so they announced that the price will be $399 for the discless version and $499 for the disc-based version, um, which I think are fine prices. I think that's what everybody thought these consoles were going to end up costing. I think maybe the disc version is a little cheaper than most people expected. I think people are looking at more of like $449 for that. Um, but $399 is a good price. Uh, it, you know, I think within the context of Microsoft having a platform out there for $299, it's just definitely not as impressive as that in terms of that. But, you know, obviously... With the PS4 discless version, you're essentially getting the full-fledged console um, uh, just without a disc drive, where with the Xbox Series S, you're getting a, a lesser-powered console as well. So, as you know, at the end of the day, neither of those options really matter to me because I am going to get the disc-based version because I'm a dummy and and want to feel like I own my game, whether I do or don't actually, but, but yeah. So anyways, yeah, I thought it was a good p- presentation for PlayStation, though. I thought it was a really strong, strong showing. Um, I, you know, they do undermine a little bit of their, their messaging after that presentation happened. When I was looking over the news, I was like, wow, what a mess this is between the pre-order stuff and like all these games being, you know, 
announced for PC, then de-announced for PC, and then, uh, you know, announced that they were going to be PS5 exclusives, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, now these are coming to PS4 as well. It just it just seems like everything was all over the place. None of it really matters. Nintendo side of things, though, there's the, well, I think it was just a Nintendo Direct Mini, but then they later rebranded the beginning of this, uh, this Direct as the Monster Hunter Direct. I assume because they did not want to spoil what the announcements were. <laughs> um, so there was uh, the announcement of Monster Hunter Rise. The only thing I really say about this game is it looks really nice, I think, for the Switch. Yeah, there's a lot of popping and stuff in the uh, in the more extended gameplay that they showed off. But overall, I think it's a great-looking Switch game, and, and I'm really impressed that it's running on the hardware. Obviously, we'll have to see how, you know, how it runs, you know, in terms of performance, in terms of, you know, what the frame rate's like, if it's slowing down all the time, what it looks like when you get into four-player online multiplayer with everybody with their pets and everything. Um, but, but yeah, it looks like a really nice game. The big gimmick of this game seems to be two things, the wire bug and just going, uh, really, really hard on having vertical exploration. Now I'm not, I'm not a monster hunter expert. I've only played try really. Um, but I think there's been a long selling point with these more recent games that like, Oh, we're going to give you more verticality. We're going to give you more verticality, but it's always within like a particular, uh, space of verticality they allow you, whether that be allowing yourself to pole vault or, you know, grabbing onto two key points in a map kind of thing. This looks like it's really true freedom in terms of being able to basically start running up, you know, various walls in the game and stuff like that. Um, so you're able to like climb up mountains and stuff and you have the wire bug, which essentially is a grappling hook. They can kind of grapple around and then they, they also have you use it in combat as well. I will say when it comes to monster hunter style games, the, the grappling hook is a great mechanic, uh, but maybe every game has kind of done a grappling hook, I feel like, at this point. So it's not very exciting. I think Monster Hunter World even had a grappling hook to some extent. Um, but again, I think it was more limited in that case. So I will say this looks a lot more flexible than those, those other games, like Tokiden 2 and uh, uh, was definitely a bit more specific on where you could grapple. Um, and then uh, Freedom Wars did have the uh, uh, quite a bit of flexibility because of grappling, but it really wasn't that much of a... Well, it wasn't that much in, in that you could work it into the combos and things like that when you're attacking enemies, but it was a part of the gameplay mechanics through various other means, whether that be like buffs, throwing up shields, things like that. And I, I don't think the implementation in Freedom Wars was perfect for that either. So, cool. Another Monster Hunter solid game trying to use the grapple mechanics, but hey, I'll say it, it looks pretty good in terms of how it's using the grapple mechanics. So, maybe someone just needs to finally nail it down and then we can move on from it. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, again, nice looking game. I don't know if I'll play it. I really had barely any enthusiasm to play Monster Hunter uh, World. I did have more interest in Monster Hunter Double Cross, um, but I never really got around to that. Um, right now, I think I'm definitely more interested in um, playing... Uh, either Tokiden Kiwami um, or or um, God Eater 3. God Eater 3, I kind of want to keep a distance from still. God Eater 2 lasted a long time. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, there's also the announcement of Monster Hunter Stories 2, which I'm pretty excited about. They didn't really show any real content for that, uh, but it definitely fits more in the Monster Hunter Rider kind of style, the mobile game that was kind of aesthetically like Monster Hunter Stories, so more realistically proportioned people, um, but it's still very much that that cel-shaded graphic kind of look. It looks really clean and nice, um, but they didn't really show any gameplay off, so it doesn't, I don't have any idea like how that varies from the first game. I have not beaten Monster Hunter Stories 1, um, but from the like 10 to 15 hours I put into that game initially that's a that's a, a cool game I like it a lot and I'm very excited to try out Monster Hunter Stories too um I would like to play through Monster Hunter Stories um 
you know, before I get Monster Hunter Stories 2, but I'll probably pick up Monster Hunter Stories 2 either way. Um, but yeah, I, I actually would be very interested in a Switch port of Monster Hunter Stories because of the original one, because there is an iOS and Android version of that game. Um, and it's a, it's a really nice looking game when running in HD, right? A lot of 3DS games look really nice when you run them in HD. Um, but you know, running on actual 3DS, they're, they're don't look so great and capturing that for, if I ever wanted to do anything with it also is kind of a pain. So it'd be nice if they got like a native port to switch of that game. I, I am maybe debating holding out to see if that happens, uh, before Monster Stories 2 comes out. I don't think I'll beat Monster Stories before that game comes out. So I'm not really in any rush. Um, but we'll see. I, I definitely have my other JRPG issues that I talk about all the time on this podcast uh, that I need to deal with <laughs> otherwise. Uh, Battle in Wonderland was March for... Uh, oh, and both of those Monster Hunter games are 2021. Uh, Battle in Wonderland was March 26th for the release date for that, which is the Yuji Naka platforming game. They showed off some footage in this trailer. Did not look like it was running particularly well. I wonder if that was specifically the Switch version of the game or if that game's just maybe not holding up great <laughs> um but but i think I, I don't recall it looking like that when they announced it before on uh, on later platforms so i'll probably end up picking the ps4 version of that up i don't you know i didn't really talk on this when we were talking about the next gen consoles but i've said in previous podcasts no real interest in picking up a ps5 or xbox series x uh at launch for me personally there's just not enough content going on there and what stuff is of interest is uh mostly multi-platform and i can always wait to pick them up too if i really want to wait till the next gen or playing on next gen uh, there's also the announcement of Fitness Boxing 2. I was not expecting this, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Fitness Boxing 1 sold very well. I think it recently passed the 1 million unit mark worldwide. Um, so, yeah, so they are, are putting this out in, I think, December. Um, I didn't go too deep on what this game adds, but I did go through the uh, Inside Games article, which is the Japanese news website, and kind of pick out, you know, little bits and pieces here from the, the Google Translate kind of thing. Um, and it seems like the majority of the... Uh, the additions for this game is the cosmetic add-ons and also basically just an all-new songs list. Uh, the songs list in the first game I was not particularly thrilled with, but I thought it was fine for what it was doing. And also it was like cover kind of thing, instrumental covers. So I think it kind of, you know, put some distance between that their renditions of the song and the, the actual songs. Um, I will say it would be nice if you can like, you know prove that you own the first game and import the songs in the first game into the second game. You know, for a fitness game, I don't really know if you want to be able to sw or, you know, be switching between two different copies of a game. If you want to, you know, do your rhythmic boxing to each, each of those two, uh, two soundtracks. But yeah, I'm really glad that was announced. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll buy it or not, but, uh, but I'm glad it exists. And then finally here, just to note, I would not bring this up normally, but I do have a video out on this. Uh, Halo 3 ODST is coming out on the PC on the 22nd. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this when this goes up. So you can go watch my Halo 3 ODST video about the Xbox 360 version of that game if you're interested. And, uh, and see if you'd be interested in checking that game out. Who knows? Maybe the PC version's better. I'm not going to look at the PC version of the game. This is probably the last time we talk about Halo 3 ODST on this podcast. But, but yeah, so if you haven't seen, if you're curious about playing Halo 3 ODST, I did put up a, a, a short quick play video that kind of gave my overview thoughts of, of that game. And I enjoyed it. It's, it's my favorite Halo. It's maybe the worst Halo I've played, but it's my favorite Halo. <laughs> 
So, so yeah. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. Uh, like I said earlier, I had a Super Mario Land uh, fake stream thing that went up. So if you want to check me out, just kind of rambling to myself while I play through some Super Mario Land, you can do that. Um, this week, we have a Shining Resonance uh, quick play going up in the new quick play format that I it will probably end up rebranding at some point, but I kind of am uncertain what I want to rebrand them as. So, so yeah, that'll be going up this week. Um, I did promise a Kondogawa Jet Girls video. It did not come together the way I thought it would, and I need to do some work on that. So that's kind of pushed off for now. Um, I will try to have it maybe next week. Hopefully, we'll see. I need to sit down and look at it again. I, I have not made a lot of progress on that 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 video. Maybe it was just a, a bad couple days, and I needed to you know take some time away and, and rethink how I want to discuss that game. So that is not coming out next week. But Shining Resonance video that will be up as well. And then, like I said, the Wizard of Oz video is all finished up. So the the first Tuesday of October, you will be able to see that video on the website. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully, hopefully me talking about it for nine months and not getting it done, uh, did not build up your expectations much because I think it's a fairly normal video, but you know, uh, I enjoyed it and I'm glad I finally got to finish up, uh, another review. I think a Tokadol was the last review, right? I could be wrong about that, but that was like April. So it's been a while. So yeah. And then on the stream for Thursdays at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time, we're finishing up The Last Rebellion probably this week. It seems like we're very close to the end, so if you want to go ahead and tune in, uh, we will be trying to wrap that up. And if we do wrap it up before the two and a half hour mark, uh, we might be playing some Jeep Thrills. The quality Wii title, Jeep Thrills. I'm excited. I've been thinking about Jeep Thrills for a long time. I don't know why it's been on my mind lately. It's a shovelware racing game on the Wii, but you know, Sometimes that's just what I need in my life. Sometimes I just need to shovel some okay garbage down my mouth and be like, this is a video game. Yeah, you can play this 10 out of 10. <laughs> so, so yeah. Anyways, thank you for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye. <laughs>